Blog Talk Radio. So it's uh, faith-based. So you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, saying that you know a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they was pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, a challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about well, totes? Welcome back to another episode of the Atheist Roundtable. I don't know why I said welcome back because I'm going to record this today and then I'm going to broadcast this four days from now and it doesn't matter. Look, this is going to be the – this is why I'm changing the format of the show because I, don't, I didn't know what I was doing before. And now – and then I got a little comfortable with it, and now I need to change it up so I can continue to be the idiot that you've all grown to know and love. That's my goal here. Tonight on the roundtable, we have Kelsey back. Yay! Kelsey's here. And we have William, who's a first-time member of the roundtable. Woo! Yay! Right. There we go. <laughs> yes, I used high voice. Sorry. <laughs> That's cool. So, uh, tonight, what I was hoping to talk about were those first things that believers will say to you when they realize that you're an atheist. The first things out of their mouth, things like, why are you mad at God? Why are you mad at God, Kelsey? Well, that doesn't make sense because I would be mad at someone that doesn't exist, which is pointless. But but you really do believe in God, right? You're just really mad at him. You just want to be – you're just mad that he doesn't want you to sin, right? No. I just, I have no feelings about him. <laughs> I, I keep thinking about this, this quote. I don't know where it's from, but it's from a movie. It's like, I'm not angry at you. I, I nothing you. I have no feelings either way. You, you know, William, the only reason you're an atheist is because you want to keep on sinning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my first response when I hear that question. But I really haven't actually. I've been lucky because I've been had every time I've talked with a believer or a believer. Well, I don't know why I put three syllables in that. Um, it's always been someone that I know or someone close to someone that I know. The only one that I've actually had, you know well, what happened or this, that, or the other was she used to be a very close friend of mine. And, you know, I used to go to church with her, but now she like has trouble talking to me because I am an atheist, but it's all on her. And I've told her several different times about how, you know, just because you believe doesn't mean I hate you. We just have differing opinions, you know? So to me, it's like I do me, you do you. I'm not going to try and say, you know, there, there's getting back to the point of the, the statement of you just want to send. That means nothing to someone who doesn't believe in that statement. 
Yeah, it, it, it's not a real thing if you – it's not a real big thing if you don't think that sin is an actual thing that you can actually do. Exactly. I mean, saying – you know, telling an atheist you just don't want to sin is like, you know, telling – It's like telling someone who, I don't know, I, I'm at a loss for it, I'm out right now. <laughs> I can't, I can't come to the, uh, someone help me out. I, it, it's, it's, it's like, uh, go ahead. Well, it's a, it's a hard analogy to make, right? It'd be, it, it might be like telling a person that they should just stop spinning webs like a spider. It's, it's not a thing that I think that people can do. And it's weird talking to people that think that people spin webs like spiders uh, and, that, and that they're talking about this, this concept of sin that, uh, that that's just completely foreign to, uh -huh. to the way that, that atheists would perceive normal actions and behavior or even naughty actions or behaviors still. Uh, doesn't it, it not naughty because a god said naughty? Right. I mean, I'm sure there's a there's an analogy to any other religion that you can make. I just can't think of any right now. It's like, and this is one of the things that I always go that I always mention when I talk to Christians is you are. And now this may be cliche, but it works. Everybody's everybody is an atheist. It's just I go one more god than you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like they don't believe in Krishna. They don't believe in Odin. They don't believe in Baal or Baal or however you pronounce it. So, I mean, telling us that we want to sin is like telling Christians that they want to go against another god of another religion. It's just, I guess you can equate it that way to try to make it make sense. Sure, you could say that things like, uh, oh, oh, I get it. Well, then apparently I shouldn't sin, otherwise Allah will be super mad. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, yeah, that's always... <laughs> Exactly. They'll be like, wait, 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 wait. That That's that's not the way I thought this was going to go. <laughs> Something else that I get, I don't know. I, I don't know how often you guys get to uh, – get to talk to uh, believers or not, but um, I've actually had a lot of people say to me, have you just tried not being an atheist? Have you tried not being an atheist, Kelsey? Well, I have to wonder how that process would work, because in order to not be an atheist, we would have to ignore this plethora of the contradictions that you find in the Bible. Um, and Murky Gervais had an excellent point when he talked about if we were to destroy the, all of the religious texts in the world, and a thousand years later, those would not come back exactly the same. Whereas if we did the same thing with all the science textbooks, in a thousand years, those would be exactly the same because we would get the same results. So we would have to ignore that. 
And like, it's one of those things, like once you know it, you can't unknow it. Right, well, you could, uh, I suppose you could act like you believe. I suppose you could, um, you could go through the motions of believing, or you could, uh, at least, at least make it appear as though you believe, right? Like, uh, like uh, Pascal's wager would say, you know, uh, if you don't believe, then or if you believe and there's no God, then no harm, no foul. But if you don't believe and you are wrong, then all the bad things. Well, but then if you were to do that, you would have to essentially live a lie, and who the hell wants to do that for their entire life? Not me. Well, see, for the sake of that argument. You mean for the sake of Pascal's wager? Yeah. For the sake of that argument, I'm going to grant you that your God exists, okay? So you're telling me that if if I don't, if I just go along with it like you were saying, you, you mean to tell me? Your God is going to favor me because I went along with the motions, even though He knows I really don't believe. As opposed to, if I'm wrong, I get up there, I face my judgment like, like I lived, and the con- I know what the consequences could be if that's the case. But at least I lived how I how I saw fit according to logic, according to what I could prove, according to reason. I mean, sure, right. Uh, Christians will often say that God judges the heart, and yet Pascal's wager seems to uh, seems to defy that. That God isn't really interested in your heart. He's interested in what your heart appears to be from the outside looking in. Uh, I've never really cared for Pascal's the Pascal wager argument to begin with. I thought it's a re- I think it's a really weak argument. It, well, absolutely. I, I totally agree. It, it, for, for some reason that I can't really elucidate on, it seems to be the first thing that I hear when I talk to believers. Um, that or something along the fact of uh, uh, since we uh, since we have to move away from a personal God to a, well, you have to believe in something. I mean, all of this couldn't have come from just nothing. It ha- there has to be a higher power or a great spirit or something, and you believe in that, right? Why does there have to be something higher than us? Or why does there have to be a higher power? Why? Well, there's just what? there's just got to be. I mean, there's just. <laughs> You, you've you've heard this before, right? Well, there's just, yeah, there's, and I, that's my that's my response. Why why does it have to be that way? You just assume. You just want it to be that way. Your human emotions. The problem is there are people who can't accept the fact that there's nothing out there that's controlling everything. It seems like it's a real comfort to know that, or to think that you know that there is something in charge, that there's something governing everything, that 
that you've, you've heard this, that everything happens for a reason, that it's all in some great divine plan, right? There, there seems to be some comfort in that. Um, Let's weave into the false happiness argument. So say that you have a person existing in the universe in which there is actually a God and they believe in this God and they are very happy about that. And then in our universe where there is no God, you have a person who believes in God and is equally happy as the person in the other universe. So we have to decide like which happiness is really real, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which reality is real? That's exactly that's exactly it. <laughs> Well, see, when you get into those types of debates, that's where you can a lot of atheists who really don't that are can get themselves into trouble because now you're talking hypotheticals. Now anything is possible within the debate. So I prefer to stick to what we know, and what we know is this reality. Fair point. Yeah, I, I will offer a quote from Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Question with boldness even the existence of a god, because if there be one, he must approve. Sorry, he must more approve of the homage of reason than that of blind simple fear. And I feel like the the root of this Christian mindset is this fear of going to hell. And to my mind, people who ask to avoid certain outcomes out of fear rather than the act of doing it itself, that is morally wrong. You shouldn't be acting out of fear. You should be acting because your action is the morally correct one to choose. Never mind. I got into a conversation once with a believer who insisted, and you got, you, you may, you may have met these people who insisted that I really did believe in God. I just wanted to deny his existence for reasons of sitting or because he made me mad or because, uh, or because whatever, because I wanted to believe in uh, evolution or global warming or, you know, science and uh and that that was going to that those things didn't fit into a world view with god do you ever find that people wanted to attack your world view instead of the idea that maybe there's just no convincing evidence that a god exists Uh-oh. Did everybody leave me? Am I all alone? I feel lonely. Can you hear me? Oh, look. See, I thought I was talking to myself for a second. And... Sorry about that. I had a uh, knock at the door. Repeat <laughs> the question. Uh, what about when someone says that it's just not part of your worldview? 
that you don't believe in God, that you would that uh, that that accepting that God exists, you'd have to change your entire worldview, and that's why you won't believe. How do you uh, how do you say that? I would start off by saying, let's define our terms. What are we? What are we? Uh, how are you defining worldview? First off, second off, to make a blanket statement like that, you're just not informed. You're not. In, you're not researched enough to know what, what what exactly you're talking about. You're just speaking some talking points you heard somewhere. You know, you'll find often that if someone says the word worldview, that is absolutely the case. I mean, everybody's worldview is, if you want to get down to it, your worldview changes, you know, every day by something you've learned, something that's to say that your worldview can't be, that you don't want to change your worldview is, like I said, it's not a well-researched talking point because, you know, if I go out here and I learn that, you know, for an, for instance, that, you know, grass isn't really green, that it's actually, you know, X, Y, and Z, and that's why it makes it green, but it's actually really this color. And again, that's that's an example of what I'm what I'm trying to get across here. You learn something new every day, so worldviews change. So to say that that's part of your worldview and you don't want to change your worldview is just asinine. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like the kind of thing that you'd hear from a dogmatic person, doesn't it? Yep. It, it sounds like the kind of thing that, you know, I um, I used to be a believer, right? I don't, I don't know. Were, were you ever a believer, William? I was up until... Probably about my mid twenties, mid to late twenties. When I my mid to late twenties, where I really started to have my what I like to call my awakening, when I really started to realize who who I was, what I stood for, everything like that. And there's a whole there's a whole plethora of reasons why I decided to uh, that I was an atheist. Sure. Um, and we can get into those later if we got time. But, um, but yeah, I, I went to a Baptist church. I was raised Southern Baptist. Uh, when I went into the military, I uh, stuck with the Baptist thing and then kind of fell off again. It was kind of off and on, off and on with me. So, And then, like I said, my mid, mid to late 20s, I, just, I finally woke and said, look, I don't believe in this stuff. Right, but you've had then your worldview change on you already. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. It's 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 weird for for those of us who've had to uh, who've had to leave religion behind in one way or another. You know that that was a big worldview change, and it might have been scary, and it might have been disturbing. But you come out on the other side th- feeling much more confident that the things that you believe are actually true and the and yet you're dismissing things that are not actually true. Like, what do you think, Kelsey? Oh, never mind. So 
I was raised in, um, my grandparents are both very religious. Their pastor told them to stop bringing me to that church because I asked too many. Uh, other, for some odd reason, took up. Um, Kelsey? Kelsey? What? You're kind of breaking what? up. Sorry. Were you moving around? Um, Were you playing with no. your keyboard again? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. You're much better now. Keep going. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, my mom forced me to take uh, catechism lessons or whatever the fuck they're called. Yes. And, you know, forced me to be confirmed, be baptized, do all this shit. And the entire time I was saying, I don't believe any of this. Why are you making me do it? This is stupid. And she would just say, because it's what I want you to do. So you're doing it. And Well, like when I started to become a teenager, that was when I was like, I'm not going back. You can't make me. Um, so I, I actually had to spend a, a lot of time coming to terms with like losing that faith. But when you're in a religious uh, household or you know any kind of a structure that like that, you think of yourself in one particular way, and then. When you depart from that, you kind of have to uh, recalibrate and learn how else to view yourself as a person, not as um, this lowly being that will never be good enough, but as a person who has wants and needs and um, and is actually worthwhile. Right. So you have also had more than one worldview in your lifetime. Right. And I wasn't happy in those two previous worldviews. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I, I find that uh, people that would be the ones to attack someone for an unchangeable worldview uh, often aren't the people who have gone through radical worldview changes in their past. Uh, that, 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 that tends to be the case. It's not always the case, but it tends to be. All right. So what, uh, what, what else we got tonight? Who's got anybody else got a, got a favorite pet peeve that believers like to say first thing to you and you just moan and groan and think to yourself, my goodness, if I have to hear this one more time, I'm going to split my head open. I'm going to go with my answer from last week that um, atheists have no morals. I'm really fucking tired of hearing that. <laughs> my, my, go ahead. Mine's a tie between that one and so you think we came from monkeys? <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I hate that question. I just 
actually, no, I take that back. I don't hate it. It just makes me chuckle because that tells me you have no clue, A, what evolution is, and B, just because you're an atheist doesn't mean you believe in evolution. I mean, nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, that's the case, but just because you're, you are an atheist doesn't mean that you do believe in a, a, uh, evolution. Those things do not go hand in hand 100% of the time. Right. Yeah, and I find it weird because, see, I, I grew up Catholic, so Catholics don't have a problem with evolution. I always thought it was really weird that, uh, that, that this evolution thing was even a question because I always grew up thinking that, uh, uh, that, was, that evolution was just fine. It fit perfectly into my, into my religious worldview. It was no problem at all. Uh, I, <laughs> I remember, um, uh, a conversation I had years ago, you might be able to find it in my, uh, in, in the show archives where I was talking to a couple of apologists and he said, up, oh, up, oh, Andrew, you, you, you have faith. You said you don't have faith, but you have faith because you believe in evolution and that's just a theory. <laughs> yeah. So it's gravity. <laughs> and I, I had to, uh, I had to just say, okay, so you're so it's physics. <laughs> so you're you're lacking in some science, and I am not the right person to give you the science lesson. Uh, I have a high school level background in science, and so I feel a little underqualified to give you all the knowledge. But let's just uh, let's just say that uh, I think that perhaps you could do with a bit more. It's like whenever whenever uh, someone, when I do hear that, you know, it's just like, okay, why are you confusing theory with hypothesis? They're not the same thing. <laughs> theory is as close to fact as you can get in science. And that's that's how I put it. Well, what what... Yeah, well, it's uh, theory is explaining the how or the why, and facts explain the what. And we need both of these things to have a better, real understanding of how things really work here in the real world, where real facts matter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's. They don't understand that, you know, when it something is the theory of evolution, the theory of gravity, the theory of general relativity, these are all aspects of science that were once a hypothesis that got tested and explained the how and the why, and then they got tested and retested and retested and retested and over, and they, time and time again, it came back to the same results, which means that it's pretty much fact. Well, unless we happen to discover some groundbreaking new thing, right? That's right. And and that that's why it works is because it's given – it's like uh, when Einstein – or not Einstein, when um, Newton, Newtonian gravity, the theory of Newtonian gravity came out. It was tested time and time again, and it, it was showed to work for the knowledge that we had at the time. Then the 20th century comes along, and Einstein comes along and 
realizes that there were some things off about it. So he came out with his theory of general relativity, which made up for some holes and some uh, explained some and went a little bit deeper than what Einstein, uh, Newton did. And so getting to that point, that's why science always continues to improve itself and change its uh, worldview, if you want to say, because it is truly an open, open-minded profession. I really enjoyed this time with you guys, and I hope we get to do it again next week. And I hope we get to do more and more of these all the time. And feel free to send in your ideas about what we can talk about next time, because that would be fun. And I yeah. think maybe next time we'll change to Skype, because Google Hangouts hates me. Um, <laughs> But I really yeah. appreciate. But I really appreciate you guys coming to join me tonight. Uh, let everybody know who you are and how they can find how they can stalk you on the interwebs. All right. So on Twitter under the children, or if you want to blog on WordPress, I am the salty children on there as well. Marvelous. And William, if people wanted to stalk you on the interwebs, how would they be able to do that? Um, I'm at Facebook. Uh, just search my name, William Beachboard, B-E-A-C-H-B-O-A-R-D. I'm on Instagram, same thing. Twitter, same thing. It's all linked together. Woohoo! And I've been Andrew Garber. Hopefully, we will be able to put this out this Sunday. And thanks you, thanks you guys for joining me. This has been Awesome Times. Hope to do it again. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook or find your host at slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to andrewtheatheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of atheists, humanists, and agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided, as always, by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God isn't here. We are. Take care of yourselves.